When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to our National Signing Day edition of Irish Illustrated Insiders Recruiting Extras. The first day of the early signing period, Notre Dame signs all 20 prospects that were committed as we've been reporting on Irish Illustrated for a while now. It was really a drama-free day for Notre Dame. And I think, Tom, as we talk sort of big picture impressions of the class, I think that speaks really well to the organization of the staff, not just the coaches, but the support staff beneath them. And it speaks well to their communication with the prospects, setting expectations that if you want to be at Notre Dame and you're committed, you need to sign today. And to go 20 for 20, something to hit 100%, which is something only they did among the top 10 teams on the 24-7 sports composite team rankings today, that's that's really impressive. Yeah, the staff did a great job. They targeted guys early. They targeted difference makers. And they got these guys fully locked in Notre Dame and got their signature early, which is, like I said, a huge credit to the staff. Um, and I do believe the staff would have continued evaluating that po- certain positions if they didn't sign today. And that's, it's more about making sure that they don't get left at the altar. So if certain positions didn't sign today, certain guys want to keep, keep their options open, you know, there's kids waiting that they really liked that could have taken that spot. So, um, you know, one person comes to mind is Tommy Tremble, you know, kudos to the staff for getting this done that, you know, he was leaning heavily towards Notre Dame since I want to say the summer, um, it got tight when Michigan offered and, you know, then he committed to Notre Dame and then he said he was going to wait till February to sign. But you know what? Again, great job by this staff that supposedly can't close to get Tremble to sign early, shut things down and uh, announce today. So, again, all in all, great job by the Notre Dame staff. They got after it. We have, you know, there's dogs on the trail finally for in South Bend for the Fort Fighting Irish coaching staff and uh, just a really, really strong job to get all 20 guys in. Yeah, Kevin, what was sort of the, the big picture impression that you had of Notre Dame's recruiting effort this cycle as it, as it wrapped up today, or at least wrapped up the first part of it today with the early signing phase? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, the majority of the excitement has been wrapped around sort of the defensive class. And I think, you know, that makes sense with sort of, you know, the Brian Van Gorder era um, not being a great era for recruiting in particular. And then Mike Elko to come in and just end up being such a strong recruiter. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that more. Um, But just, you know, even just the top of this class um, to land you know, two top 75 defensive backs from, you know, the heart of SEC country. I mean, just, just landing, you know, one from that area, that's, that's not typical. Two um, is really something. Um, and just following those guys, Kevin Austin, Phil Dracovic, um, you know, those, those two I see being, you know, offensive stars. Jack Lamb and Shane Simon is a, you know, that's sort of a cool little sort of subtopic um, of this class, those two playing linebacker together, having those pass coverage skills um, that you need sort of um, with with today's game evolving the way it is. Um, just a quality, quality class top to bottom. And I think, you know, recently 
um, adding Tariq Bracey and Houston Griffith to sort of round out uh, the defensive back class was really important given that was such a priority group. Yeah, I think one of the themes that struck me was the ability to go back-to-back up the middle in terms of Jamie on yeah. Franklin and Jason Adamalola following what they did last year with Tonga Vailo, Mosa, Kurt Heinisch, Darnell Ewell. And then even you're going to spin it forward with, with Jacob Lacey next cycle and all the targets they have on the board there. I think they're actually they're they're building defensive tackles the strength of the team, which is certainly not a place Notre Dame was just a couple cycles ago. So that that impressed me. I like the style of linebackers that they signed, particularly Lamb. Um, he really jumps off the page to me. Tom, you and I were at the opening. I, I thought he was dynamic out there and just looks like a guy who would be more of a modern inside linebacker uh, compared to some of the guys that they've signed recently. So I, I think there's some good fits for what Mike Elko's defense wants to do, including Derek Allen at the back. Um, you know, it's like the whole late drama or lack of it. Uh, you know, if Derek Allen commits today, that's a headline grabbing steal for Notre Dame away from Georgia or Clemson or those kinds of programs. But instead he commits, I think a week after last signing day, roughly. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a long, long time ago and he was basically the guy that they wanted to be their number one target. I mean, that, that was, I guess, another theme of this class is they, I felt like they got their number one guy at probably defensive tackle and Jason Adamalola. They certainly got their number one guy at safety and Derek Allen, a number one type guy in Kevin Austin at wide receiver, uh, Houston Griffith as well. So I, I thought they did a really good job picking from the top of their board too, which Notre Dame doesn't always do. And Tom, you made the point about having some more dogs on the trail that I do think this staff just works harder in recruiting than some previous Brian Kelly era staffs. And um, I think both coordinators set a really positive tone. I thought it was interesting to hear. And I'm curious what you guys think about this. Uh, when Brian Pullen was asked about Brian Kelly's recruiting style, that he felt that even Kelly put in more work on the trail than maybe he had previously. Um, Maybe some of that is just rubbing off from having a Polian and Elko along um, those guys really grinding. I don't what what did you sort of think away how this staff came together as recruiters, Tom? Well, on that point about Kelly, I mean, I, I I couldn't agree more, and it was completely necessary. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not saying Elko and Polian are going to tell them what to do, but um, let's be honest. I mean, over the last couple of years, there's been public comments and statements from recruits saying how he wasn't very involved on visits and, you know, it just, he wasn't a big impact in terms of when they made a decision, whether they went to Notre Dame or not. So they, they made it a point to uh, make sure he was very involved because as I've said on the site before, I mean, Kelly is very charismatic and he's great to talk with. I mean, he's always joking around with the media. He's got a great personality. So that needs to come out more because, you know, recruits want to see that side of a, of a guy. You know, people always praise Dabo Sweeney for his antics and his personality. But, you know, Kelly Kelly isn't always just serious business, red face, things that they want to say about him. That's not always who he is. So um, I think that a lot of the recruits got a much better feel for him as a person. I know Houston Griffith told me that. Derek Allen told me that. I mean, I could go go on down this list, and a lot of guys – really praising Kelly for his recruiting effort to uh, make sure that they felt wanted 
um, which eventually played a role in those guys ending up in, in South Bend. Yeah, and I don't I don't think anyone's gonna confuse Brian Kelly's recruiting style with Urban Meyer or Nick Saban. That's just like mm-hmm. not really his approach. But I I did think it was encouraging to hear that he was I believe the way that Pullian described it was Kelly was out visiting guys, uh game day visits more during the season than maybe he was in the past, and certainly was on the road more in December than he was in the past. Some of that's out of necessity with the early signing period, but I I do think it's a positive to hear that from Derek Allen and Houston Griffith that uh, you know, when you get Brian Kelly in your living room, that you're not getting the guy who's can come across sometimes as a red faced taskmaster on the sidelines. And I completely agree with you. He's he's a very personable guy when you are talking to him in press conferences or you bump into him at high school games or just sort of around town here. He's very easy to talk to. And um, I think he makes a really good impression there. Kevin, what about you in terms of the staff? Um, the way they went about their business, what maybe impressed you the most? Well, yeah, I mean, starting with Kelly, I like, I'll just sort of reiterate that. Um, to me, like, he's always come in as sort of the closer, right? Uh, it seemed like he started his closing efforts uh, efforts earlier. Um, we, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, after these in-home visits, I'll get pictures from recruits. Well, Brian Kelly was in a lot of those pictures, and it seemed to me like he was – um, going on more of these in-home visits. Um, I just feel like um, he was more involved in it. it. seemed like maybe he was even enjoying recruiting a bit more um, this year. It seemed like, um, yeah, and like Tom had said, maybe he's sort of getting nudged in that direction with, you know, Brian Polian and other staff. But um, that, that much was clear. But uh, also, you know, Mike Elko, um, he seems like a guy when, where, you know, he really wants a prospect and he really hones in on them that Notre Dame has a chance. You know, um, we obviously with the Brian Van Gorder era, he wasn't a guy who really got involved much at all. Um, so it's, you know, kind of tricky to compare those two. But I believe, you know, Mike Elko and Clark Lee together, there's a, you know, they obviously have a pass together. Um, they seem to do really well sort of um, in tandem recruiting uh, with guys, uh, especially sort of in the East and through New Jersey, Virginia. I've seen some of that um, in the 2019 class with some of the prospects in, in Virginia and that and uh, North Carolina. Um, but yeah, just I've been really, really impressed with, with Elko and Clark Lee, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So why don't we sort of hand out some awards, pull different guys out from the class that we think are, are really worth mentioning. Um, some of these awards and distinctions will be fairly obvious, maybe some less so, but MVP of the class, I'll start with you, Tom, who's, who sort of fits that profile for you? Man, I went back and forth thinking about this and, um, and, you know, on the site at irisillustrated.com, Kevin and I are going to have some superlatives coming later tonight, but my MVP, I'm going to go actually with Derek Allen. Um, just because I know how important he was to this class, to Mike Elko, to the success of the defense, to show other recruits that are looking at Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Florida State, all these big-time programs that an elite defensive back and a a big-time playmaker that could go anywhere in the country decided to go to Notre Dame, um, and maybe they should follow him, things like that. So um, it was – it made sense. It was a poll that completely made sense. They, he fits everything Notre Dame's looking for. Um, he was a guy Mike Elko sunk his teeth in. I mean, I want to make this very clear. If, if Mike Elko is not at Notre Dame right now, 
Derek Allen would not be signing a letter of intent with Notre Dame today. So big pickup for Notre Dame. And he also did a tremendous job in the recruiting trail, targeting guys. Um, he made his decision early, got after it. Um, for me, yeah, he's the, he's the most valuable recruit for a Notre Dame disciple. Kevin, who, uh, who, who got MVP honors for you? Yeah, so I just like Tom, I, I bounced around, and this could probably honestly be three or four different guys. But for me, I uh, came down to Kevin Austin. I just, uh, you know, in the Superlatives article, we, one of the uh, categories was most likely to be a first-round NFL draft pick. And, you know, just this guy, you know, at 6'3", nearly 200 pounds, just sort of already has that, um, you know, prototypical wide receiver size. Sort of his lower half is like what you see in a track runner, um, his senior film really nudged me even more forward um, in terms of uh, my outlook on him, um, his film just coming out recently. Um, you know, his speed, his, you know, ability to just explode out of his breaks, his ability to elevate, go up and high point balls, twist, contort to catch footballs, fight for the ball. Um, I, th- I think he's more physically developed and strong than I think a lot of people sort of realize. And I remember Pete, you telling me when you saw him at the opening, you were really impressed with how sort of developed he was. Looked like a guy who definitely spends a lot of time in the gym. Um, You know, I think that rated he's ranked at sort of 73 overall, uh, a 247 composite. I could see him, you know, being even higher than that. I think him being ranked as the number 20 wide receiver in, in the in the class is just absurd. Uh, but <laughs> any, I, I think this is the best wide receiver uh, Notre Dame's uh, landed since Michael Floyd. And I, I'm firm in that comment. Um, I think he's going to be outstanding uh, whether, you know, if Equinemia St. Brown comes back this year, um, that might sort of make it tricky for him to get on the field. But I, I just can't see him not succeeding uh, at a high rate at Notre Dame. Yeah, I... I wanted to go with Jerkovic, especially after what Brian Kelly said today about him pushing Brandon Wimbush for the starting job, which I was like alarm bells were going off in my head when those quotes were coming out. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Tom here with Derek Allen just because I think that that was probably the biggest need position in this class, especially for anybody who watched Notre Dame's defense play last year. They, just, they lacked any kind of uh, dynamic playmaking ability at the safety position. And Derek Allen provides all of it. I mean, I think in some ways, if you, if you had five traits for a good safety, Allen hits on all five. And I feel like Notre Dame was trying to get away with playing with guys who had about two of them or maybe one and a half last year. So in terms of a guy that they got early as a compliment to Mike Elko's recruiting style, uh, and I think he's also a guy, even though he's not an early enrollee, who's going to come in and play very, very early because he's familiar with Notre Dame's scheme just based on playing something semi-similar in high school. So I'll, I'll go with Allen there with uh, Dracovic being sort of my, my next guy. Uh, how about the most underrated guy in this class for you? Tom, why don't we start with you? For me, um, this one was pretty easy because I think he's a, a, a guy that eventually will prove to be a difference maker down the road because I really like his upside. I'm going to go with Joe Wilkins Jr. Um, and my thought process is that he's, although he's a very good two-way guy, plays offense and is a explosive wide receiver, I actually really like him at cornerback. I think Notre Dame got a steal. Um, I also like his offer list that came with the NC State and Michigan State and Pitt and schools that I, I know do a good job with defensive backs. So I think Todd Light is going to turn this guy into a, 
you know, we're going to see a Julian Love type progression. Um, I think this guy, there's no bad habits. He's very raw. Um, love his length and um, his quickness and his ability just to learn the defense. I think he's going to be a guy that, um, although it kind of blew me away at one point, he was ranked, um, I want to say, a little over a thousand. Um, I pushed hard to get him a bump, and 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 this was this was months ago, really before Notre Dame even really got involved, because I just thought this kid was a was a really good talent um, from Florida. So I like his upside. I think Joe Wilkins Jr. is probably the most underrated in this class, and I think he's going to have a good career in South Bend. Kevin, how about you? When when you hear underrated, who do you think of in this group? Yeah, Tommy Tremble for me. Um, he's a four star prospect all the way, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, unfortunately, he was injured early this year. Um, I was looking, really looking forward to seeing how he developed. I know that Tom and I were, were speaking about this. If you go into his huddle profile and have a look at um, the, I think it's just the one film from his senior year. Um, you know, he was playing outside linebacker. Um, I saw some some things there that really, you know, turned my turned up my attention to him. Um, just some sort of bend and also to sort of. Um, I guess pull a quote from Priester's film evaluation on him. Um, his burst off the line um, really gives him a vet an advantage. It's it's really impressive. Um, I think he has tremendous feet, and you know at six foot four, um, with that burst off the line um, from the inside, especially if he's matched up on linebackers, um, this is a guy who I think is going to work his way way open. He has good ball skills, um, and you'll see sort of in you know he's more detached. Um, will be more detached at Notre Dame, but you'll see him um, in line on film. He's a good, he's an aggressive blocker, and he's sort of a guy who has that that switch, so to speak. Um, bit of a, a nasty um, sort of side to him during during games and intensity that I like. Um, and then sort of knowing him personally, I mean, I've been speaking with him since I believe April. Um, this is a guy who he carries himself like a grown man. This is a guy with you know multiple Ivy League offers. Super mature kid. I just really see him excelling. I think right now he's underrated, um, and I think that um, you know he's really going to do well as he progresses. Um, you know, at Notre Dame. Yeah, I I sort of went back and forth. I, I settled on Jameer Smith because I, I think he sort of fits the underrated profile, coming from more of a rural type area where it doesn't get a lot of pub. Um, also, does is not really a big media guy. Um, didn't do camps a whole lot. So, I mean, to me, he's somebody that sort of qualifies as is underrated. I'm not saying he should be a four-star prospect, but I, I just think he's somebody that kind of got overlooked in the recruiting process. He, when he committed, it was a little bit of a surprise. I think a, a bunch of people thought he was going to North Carolina at that point. Um, so Jameer Smith, the running back out of North Carolina, I don't know how quickly he'll move up the depth chart here, but I, I do think he's going to be a nice four-year player for, for Notre Dame at that position. How about... Um, this is kind of a trickier one. The one that got away, which you guys could take this anywhere you wanted, but I sort of viewed this as the player Notre Dame was actually involved with in recruiting that either they didn't get or you don't think they're going to get that that if you could pick that one guy to add to this class, who would it be? Tom, who who jumps out for you there? Well, initially I was going to say sleep was what got away from me <laughs> uh, probably the last couple of months. But no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of – it's more of a projection – um, I don't expect Notre Dame to land Amon Ross St. Brown and really Kyler Gordon as well. Those were kind of the two that really, really stood out to me. Um, and I'm obviously Notre Dame still has a shot with Kyler as we, as we're speaking right now, um, his decision is coming Thursday, but 
you know, all signs point to him going elsewhere. And, and that's a tough one because, you know, multiple people were telling me um, and multiple people were telling Notre Dame that the Irish led following his um, unofficial visit, which was his second trip to South Bend this, uh, this year. So that visit was, uh, you know, it was, and, and anybody, first of all, anybody who thinks that that, you know, is nonsense and it's not really true. I mean, there's a reason the kid took a second trip to Notre Dame. There's a reason he still hasn't decided yet. He's been going back and forth for a while, but that one's tough because Notre Dame, in my opinion, absolutely led. He was telling people that after that visit, but he decided to take another trip to Washington. And from everything I gather, that was the game changer visit that that kind of pushed the Huskies back on top. And, you know, so I expect Washington to land him. And, And it's, it's a tough one for Notre Dame because they made him such a priority He's a guy that would have stepped in right away and played a ton as a freshman, um, super athletic, great feet, um, would have been, a, 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 in my opinion, a difference maker at cornerback. And then obviously with Amon Ross St. Brown, the ties to Notre Dame, how elite and special of a talent he really is, he would have been um, pretty fun to watch in that offense. And if they would have just gotten better quarterback play, I think we'd be talking about him uh, potentially signing today or committing to Notre Dame um, at the Army Bowl. Tom, how about or uh, Kevin? How about for you in terms of guys that that got away that you really think, wow, this guy could have pushed Notre Dame's class to another level? Yeah, I think without a doubt, Jason Oa. Um, mm. You know, I think that Amon Ross and Brown um, is the better player, but in in this situation, they got Kevin Austin. Things are looking good for Braden Lindsay. You can live without landing Amon Ross and Brown. Um, but they didn't uh, land that tall, long, explosive pass rushing end that Jason Oa is. Um, also a guy with, you know, Harvard offer coming from a prep school. Um, seemed like such a great fit at Notre Dame. I think the staff sort of agreed there. Obviously, his recruitment was just a strange one. Um, he just, um, the way that it sort of played out, he just, off the hop, it seemed like, oh, Notre Dame's going to have to get this guy, but the, it just didn't work out that way. Um, I, this is a guy, I guess you can sort of range him in the, you know, sort of elite measurables. And um, there's all these really uh, impressive 40 times that have been listed for him. Um, which one is, you know, that is true. I, I'm not sure, but I think he is a guy that runs like, you know, around the four, six range, uh, maybe even better um, would have been a huge get for Notre Dame at the drop end role. I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back to a guy that I saw at the opening and just freaking love Jamari Sellier who signed with Georgia today. Cause I mean, we're talking about Notre Dame's class. They're an offensive lineman short right now. And with Quentin Nelson walking out the door, what better than Quentin Nelson 2.0 coming in? Um, he'll end up in Georgia. That guy is really, I think he was the only high school prospect or college prospect that could stand next to Quentin Nelson and look like these are comparable type athletes on the offensive line. So um, I, I thought he was a, a cool personality to deal with. I thought it would have been a great fit in Notre Dame's offensive line room. Um, he will be staying home at Georgia as a Pace Academy product, a place that Notre Dame's tried to recruit in the past. But uh, Jamario Sellier is the guy for me that uh, I'm kind of curious to see how his career develops down there. What about um, the guy in this class that has the most to prove to you that you look at and think, okay, I, I really need to see more of him once he gets to campus for me to feel like, yeah, this, this, was, uh, this guy is, is going to meet some of the potential and, and some of the hype that's being thrown his way. Tom, how about you? This was a tough one because um, I didn't really know where to take this, but I, I, I ended up settling on Houston Griffith. And I think it's because my mentality is that he was 
a guy that people really liked early, and, and it's funny I'm saying this about the kid that, according to 24-7 Sports Composite Rankings, is the highest-rated recruit in Notre Dame's class and a top 100 kid. Um, I think it's because people soured on him a little bit and thought that he wasn't as good as his rankings suggested. So I think that he's got um, a lot to prove to himself. I think that the staff is excited to see what he can do. Um, I think positionally, I, there's there's some question marks. Is he a corner? Is he a safety? Um, is he more of a corner now if they don't miss, if they don't get Kyler Gordon? Um, so I think that there's just a lot of things to kind of continue watching. And I, I think that there's just a lot to, a lot to prove for him. And I think um, for a guy like that with a ton of confidence, um, he's definitely going to be up for the challenge. Kevin, how about you? Is there a guy in this class that you're like, okay, I just, I need to see a little bit more from this guy. Yeah, um, I mean, I was going to go with Houston Griffith as well, um, but just for the sake of, you know, bringing up another guy, um, maybe it's not so much about um, me needing to see more from him, but as far as having a lot to prove, I guess Phil Dracovic would be one in that, um, you know, everyone's expecting him to be sort of the, you know, the face of the offense um, in the future, and, and I think he very, he definitely will be that. Um, but of course, you know, there's also sort of a preconceived notion about, um, two other quarterbacks in front of him, Ian Book and Avery Davis. I believe you know everyone sort of looks at Ian Book as sort of a career backup, and and that's you know maybe that's so. Um, it, a lot of people are sort of you know, not even bringing up Avery Davis, or you know he's sort of not being in the discussion. But of course he's been at the program for a year, so it's not just Brandon Wimbush in front of Phil Dracovic. There's another. There's a few other quarterbacks there who, you know, were great quarterbacks coming out of high school. Avery Davis is a you know, a lot of accolades coming out of, I believe, the top division in Texas. And, um, you know, so, you know, he's going to have to you know, prove himself, of course. And I think he will. I think he undoubtedly will. But definitely a lot of pressure on him already. I, but, you know, knowing Phil, you know, myself personally, even speaking with him, I think he'll handle that really well. Yeah, there. I think there are a couple different ways you can go on this. I mean, Micah Jones is really interesting to me because his rating is so far apart between rivals and 24-7. Um, mm-hmm. I not only because I'm affiliated with 24-7, but I tend to side more with 24-7 where I, I just, I'm not sure if I see like a four-star type prospect there. And then um, I'm really curious to see how Bo Bauer develops once he shows mm-hmm. up as an early enrollee because he was a guy that was targeted more in the previous regime. And just, you know, you see him described as sort of this typical throwback Mike linebacker. And I feel like when you see the Ovi Agofo or or Jack Lamb, they're not described that way. They're described more as like modern linebackers. So I, I want to see how Bo Bauer fits into the scheme once he shows up um, in January. He's got a, a, a nice skill set. He was super productive and won a lot in high school. Um, I want to see if he can sort of fit into what Elko wants his, his linebackers to do. So that's somebody I'm curious about. How about uh, recruiter of the year, Tom? This is there are a lot of candidates for this on Notre Dame staff. Who would who would you single out? Well, that was another one I went back and forth on, and um, I'm going to go with Mike Elko just because of the body of work um, and the guys that he targeted. A guy, a guy like Jamie on Franklin, who had a very average to below average rating nationally. And as soon as he started getting targeted by Notre Dame and other schools started showing more interest, like Clemson and Florida State, schools like that, um, you know, Notre Dame offered, pushed, 
and he became a guy that started people started noticing and it was like wow this kid's actually pretty good you know i remember um being told by somebody to compare his tape with pj mustafer's back to back just play them back to back and tell me what you think and i watched them and i was like wow like franklin's got a great motor um keeps a you know low center of gravity um plays to the echo of the whistle i mean this is a guy that it blew me away how much more impressive and it's not a it's not take away from pj it's just i didn't get how one kid's ranked 50th in the country and one kid's ranked like 900th so my uh my vote for recruiter of the year would be mike elko he did a great job with houston griffith and Derek allen um played a nice assist role with you know the adam alolas down the stretch and getting jack lamb and you know targeting shane simon so just all in all like you mentioned before pete he hit on um a ton of top guys at multiple positions so um, I'm giving Brian Polian the number two spot, but but Elko's the guy for for me. How about you, Kevin? Who who do you think maybe distinguished themselves a little bit on this on the staff this cycle? Well, I mean, I I can't really think of anyone <laughs> who could come close to Mike Elko in this category. He just, um, I mean, number one, he's he coached. He's the safeties coach, of course. Um, look at the safeties they've landed. Look at the whole defensive class. It's seven opening finalists. Um, you know, two top 75 prospects. If you look at the 247 rankings alone, uh, Jason Ademolola is rated number 51 overall. Um, after inheriting really a mess with what Brian Van Gorder had sort of laid as a foundation for him, I guess you could say. Um, but, it, you know, I think I would just sort of also mention Chip Wong has also impressed me there. Um, no, they didn't. he didn't land Jeremy Ruckerts, um, but he did land George Takis, who... Uh, you know, I think he had upwards of nearly 30 offers. Um, you know, Georgia, Wisconsin, Florida, some big schools were coming at him. And then you look at Tommy Tremble. I mean, uh, going back to sort of how I was talking about how underrated he was. Um, I mean, UCLA and Michigan are, you know, big programs with, uh, you know, strong, you know, recruiting, you know, strong recruiting profile, I suppose you could say. Um, and they were coming at him hard. That turned out to be a quite the dogfight in the end there. Um, and he secured his commitment. And I think it was kind of without any question from Tommy. So just a shout out to Chip Wong there as well. Yeah. It's I, for the sake of variety, I want to go somewhere else, but I can't because uh, Mike Elko was, I, I think he just set such a good tone defensively for not only figuring out the kind of player Notre Dame wanted to get, but then having the energy to carry through on some of these recruitments I mean, he's got, he's got to be the guy this year um, that yeah. that impressed most on the recruiting trail. To have your defensive coordinator have that kind of impact, that's just a really nice place for Notre Dame to be, um, not just in terms of recruiting an area, but recruiting defensive prospects. I mean, Kevin, you've sort of been keeping track of, okay, how many opening finalists is Notre Dame going to sign this year? Um, and they end up with seven on defense, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... That's ridiculous. Notre Dame doesn't just Notre Dame just doesn't do that. Um, you know, just getting three would be impressive. To get seven is is pretty absurd. Um, the last one is probably the toughest. Call your shot, Tom. How does Notre Dame finish this class? Oh. Well, I've made my thought process pretty clear about Amnon St. Brown and Kyler Gordon. So. <laughs> I think they're gonna. I think they ideally will get to 25, and I think that there's definitely an opportunity to get to 25. Um, and you know, we were just talking about recruiters of the year, and my two guys were Mike Elko and Brian Polian. So I'm gonna kind of ride with that. And I think 
in the end, despite everything that's been going on and the difficult situation he's going through, um, I think Julius Irvin can still make the difficult decision to leave home. Um, and obviously things are, you know, going on behind the scenes that, that, you know, we don't really need to get into too much, but just with family and things like that. But um, Notre Dame convinced him to take his time, wait till February, because to be quite honest, after everything he was going through, um, he was about to just say, all right, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to stay home and, and go to USC. But conversations continue between Elko, Polian, and Irvin, and all good things. So I think they can still pull that off. It's going to be a tough month, but they're going to give it their all. So I like Julius Irvin to, to end up at Notre Dame still, um, but it'll be close. I think they can flip Noah Boykin. Um, they've done a good job with him. And anybody, again, he was ready to join this class, but he just wanted to take a little bit of time. But they needed to get a corner, so they took the commitment from Tariq Bracey. So anybody thinks that there's bad blood between Notre Dame and, and Noah Boykin, it's just not true. So I still think they can flip the Maryland commit, which would be the second guy in this class. I like Braden Lindsay to, to pick Notre Dame on Friday when he announces his commitment and signs um, later this week. And this is where it gets a little more tricky. I still think Notre Dame's in the top two or three for Nicholas Petit Freer, the five-star offensive tackle out of Florida. You know, Alabama is going to be tough to beat. Florida's involved, especially now that they have Emory Jones committed at quarterback. So that's a tight race, but I still think Notre Dame can win it just because, I mean, as you guys know, anybody who talks to them, you get the vibe that Notre Dame's going to be a player for that kid. Um, and then I think they want to get one more offensive lineman. I think you look at Luke Jones, who is still pretty torn between Notre Dame and Arkansas. He's currently a Razorbacks commitment, but he didn't sign this week, which would have been the easy move. So let's see how things shake out there. And then the other guy I want to keep watching for that same offensive line spot is Jarrett Patterson, a four-star uh, player off from, from, from the West Coast, an offensive tackle there. So I could see Notre Dame getting involved quickly, a potential offer coming soon. And, you know, they'll, they'll look to get him on campus for an official visit. And the other guy you can obviously mention is Lawrence Keyes, who's very much in play. But I still think that they may only take one more wide receiver. Um, it's not as much of a need um, to get two, wide, two more wide receivers in this class. So it'll be interesting how that whole dynamic shakes up. But, but right now my gut says Boykin, Irvin, Lindsey, Petit Freer, and then another offensive lineman if they can. If they can. Yeah, that would be a hell of a finish. Kevin, how do you see this class wrapping up? Yeah, so definitely tough here. Um, first off, like, just to get it out of the way, Nick Philippe Frere, I just think that um, Notre Dame may pull that off in the end. I, I think, to put it, the, put it the best way I can, I think I would be slightly surprised if he didn't end up at Notre Dame. I just feel like academics are very important there, and I think there is a bit more of a any ND a um, bit of a roots from his coaching staff, head coaches from Chicago, you know, it was all about Notre Dame, grew up sort of watching a lot of Notre Dame being very sort of in the know about Notre Dame. Also a Notre Dame alum on the coaching staff there, a 3.8 GPA kid, feeling uh, fairly good about it, not super confident. But so I think Nick, Nick Petit Frere, I believe Notre Dame will get Braden Lindsay. Uh, this week, and I do feel like they'll flip uh, Noah Boykin. So those are three there. Um, the the next two, I think it's possible they'll they could just sign twenty four. Um, Jarrett Patterson, uh, that uh, Tom just brought up, uh, I spoke with him recently. He seemed to have a fair amount of interest, and it seemed like you know um, an official visit was something that you know could definitely happen. Um, definitely a, a impressive on film. 
Um, I do think that if they don't, um, you know, sort of lure Jarrett Patterson, I think they'll continue um, bringing up new names there along the offensive line. Um, Julius Irvins, um, I sort of with Tom there, I think that they still have a shot there, but I think we, we need to sort of wait and see sort of how things unfold with his situation. Um, and I also think Lawrence Keyes is a guy that they'll continue to consider. And he's sort of in the, in the category with, you know, multiple programs, LSU, Auburn, um, and Notre Dame sort of like these schools want him, but it's like, we'll take him if we can fit him. You know, all these programs really want him. So um, Petit Frere, Lindsey, Boykin, and then, like I said, it's sort of a toss-up in that group um, at the end. And it's also a toss-up whether they'll add 24 or 25. So uh, maybe not the most definitive answer for you guys, but that's what I got, uh, considering I've been up since 3.30 a.m. on the West Coast. Yeah, I, I guess even though Brian Pulling got up there today and talked about signing 24 or 25, I feel like this class is going to end up at 23. It's going to be Braden Lindsay, Noah Boykin, and then a offensive lineman that's not Nick, not uh, Nick Petit Frere, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, whether that's Patterson or they double back on Luke Jones or they find somebody new because it's sort of uh, a new era with recruiting about knowing, okay, who's actually still in play right now. Um, you know, it's. And I think 23, based on their numbers with the 85 scholarship, is is probably more comfortable for a place for them to be than going all the way to 25 and then having to make some really difficult decisions with the current roster. So I I feel like Notre Dame will end up with 23, Braden Lindsay on Friday, then a, an offensive lineman that I, I couldn't tell you the name of right now because I, I do wonder if they'll just sort of find a new target to to mine in the, in the last couple weeks of um, – this process, especially when you look at consensus All-Americans for Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson, the Joe Moore Award, Zach Martin, the Pro Bowl, they have a lot to sell there. And then, um, you know, Noah Boykin, if you can commit, if you can flip two Maryland commitments when you go four and eight, you should be able to flip one when you go nine and three. So I think that's that's how Notre Dame will, will finish up. They'll meet their needs in the defensive backfield. They'll basically get there on the offensive line. And it's a pretty balanced class across the board. So we will be back. I don't know if we'll be back next week with our next recruiting podcast. Those things are going to quiet down and Notre Dame will be down at the Sister Bowl preparing for that. But um, we'll definitely be back in January to talk more about Notre Dame recruiting, how they try to finish up the class, who's visiting, where the staff is heading for their visits once the contact period opens back up. But as for today, Notre Dame had 20 commitments. Now they have 20 signatures and a top 10 class on the 24-7 sports composite. Thanks for listening to our latest Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra. As always, Pete Sampson joined by Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair.